Hello and welcome to Phenomenal. I'm Trisna, a psychologist with an interest in the well-being and fulfilment of artists, performers, creatives, and all those who follow their passion. Phenomenal is a podcast about walking in the shoes of some exceptional people who have paved their own way in life. In this podcast, I hope to not only introduce these phenomenal people, but also give an opportunity to understand them phenomenologically by hearing their lived experience. In this episode of Phenomenal, I speak to Malia Walsh, circus performer, director and producer. I first met Malia over 10 years ago when she started teaching fire twirling and hula hooping for a performing arts studio I was co-running at the time. We talk about being chosen by creative work, art versus entertainment, collaborating with other artists, the way that creative ideas develop and the way that parenthood has changed her personally and professionally. Hi, Malia. Hi, Trisna. Thanks for joining me today. Um, So the last time I saw you perform was probably Children Are Stinky. And I went with my kids who loved it. So what's what's happened to Children Are Stinky since I saw that? That was a few years ago now. Oh, it's it's taken over the world a little bit. It's a bit of a monster. I'm, I became a little bit scared of it. So I, I got another producer on board um, to help out with it, which was amazing. Um, I also got two other performers in to, to help, help, help do the load of work that's, that's needed for it. So we've got Carl Rafter and April Dawson, who are both blondes, so we call them the blonde team. And versus the brunettes. No, versus the browns. <laughs> children are stinky. So. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and they're all amazing. And we did five national tours last year. Well, no, it's five international tours last year and, like, six national tours. We sold out the wow. Brisbane Powerhouse. It was, like, it's actually just really exciting oh, and that's awesome. pretty mind-blowing, actually. <laughs> and you've been working on other things as well, right? Yeah. Um, I was really, really blown away. Circus Oz asked me to direct a show for them. So I, um, I directed a show called Neon about six months ago and we sold out the season before um, – it opened, which was extraordinary. And then we did another season and we won um, Pick of the Fringe in the first week of the Adelaide Fringe, which oh, was... congratulations. Yeah, really exciting. We got five-star reviews across the board. So um, we keep, we're, we're doing more seasons now. <laughs> and you're heading to a rehearsal after this, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Always on the go. Yeah. So um, as I... You know, I spoke to you before we we started this podcast about the kind of material we'd be talking about. Yeah. And um, what I really wanted out of this podcast is for people to get a feeling about what it's like to live your life, I guess. (sighs) (laughs) So um, I sigh because it's exhausting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. It's not – I don't think it's exhausting. It's – it's really exciting. It's just hard to keep up with everything, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. So what what would you say drew you to this sort of work? 
Um, I think it chose me. Yes. I think as a performer or a creative person, it's one of those things that you can't just want to do it. Yes. It's like you, you actually go crazy if you don't do it. Yes. Um, I had a... I had a very a, a big awakening last time I was pregnant that I um I sort of toned down my performing quite mm. a bit when I was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and I became more and more and more depressed as mm. as that happened mm. and I I linked it to not just not being able to perform or not feeling like I could perform when I was yes. pregnant and then I just went screw it I'm performing mm. yeah. and I like absolutely shone and I had the best time and I performed because I had a tiny break and I realised I I needed it for my sanity. I came into it with full heart and full gusto and yeah, yeah it was one of, it's one of my best, most favourite, most treasured performing times when I was enormous, like nine month pregnant hula hooper. Yeah. But it's if if I don't do it I go crazy. So mm. yeah. Mm. It's good to know. <laughs> yeah. And um your family kind of understands that? Yes. Well, my, my partner is a performer as well. He yeah. does puppetry. So yeah. um, we both understand that you get gigs and you just have to jump on them. So we just deal with it, you know. Yeah. Um, both my babies come to my rehearsals yeah. or, you know, my, my eldest son, he's four, he knows every line to Children of Stinky because yeah. he's had to sit there with so many times. I think he featured in the time that I, I came. Oh, well, we have to – he has to feature in every show because <laughs> if I don't – if he doesn't have his stage time, he'll steal my jokes. So yes. I've said, okay, you can you can feature in the show and you can do that volunteer bit if you just don't steal my lines and yeah. steal my jokes. So, yeah, yeah we've, we've got an agreement. <laughs> Gorgeous. Um. Do you remember how you started? Ah, oh, you actually played a huge role in really? me starting performing. <laughs> yeah. I'm really happy about that actually. Um, I was doing some fire dancing around the place and just really enjoying it. And um, the person who I took over from at Underbelly mm. um, offered recommended me and I did a trial with you and you liked it and I yeah. remember I was living in Glen Iris and you guys were in Preston yeah um Thornbury in Thornbury so mm -hmm. I drove for an hour and a half to get oh, to wow. a, an hour class but it was I was so excited about having my first full-time job teaching yeah and and in the arts and just embedded into it that yeah. I was like I'm happy to drive an hour and a half across like peak hour traffic to yeah, do yeah, like yeah, one yeah, class yeah. because it was, you know, you guys were the first people to believe in me and to like go absolutely like I like working with you and yeah, mm. so it was it was a huge 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 part in my in my career development. Yeah, um, and you were saying that you're out in Woodends, so you're you're travelling a lot now as well, right? Yeah, um, we just decided, we lived in. Fitzroy for forever and all my work has just become national touring and so mm. I'll do seasons in Edinburgh and I always do the summer in the UK anyway and we just weren't spending any time in Melbourne so mm. we moved out to Wood End which was is divine and lovely and then of course I get a job in Circus Oz in, in Collingwood. And mm. <laughs> yeah. But I quite like the train. I always meet lovely people and yeah. I, or I get my emailing done so it's 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 a it's still a treat. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to get a sense of of your. Uh, obviously, first of all, what I'm hearing is is that 
you have this kind of boundless energy, <laughs> positivity. Um, but I'm trying to get a sense of the way that you approach your work. So, you know, what your hours are like, where you're working. So maybe like a day in the life oh. you give me. Um, I mean, at the at the moment, a day in the life is... You know, I'm I'm sort of I'm waking up at six a.m. with my baby who's ten months old and feeding him, and I sort of get about I don't know an hour with him, and then I catch a train in, and I'm producing a season in Edinburgh, and um, I've got a sh- a bit of a job with the beer festival, so I catch a train in for an hour, and I work on that on the train and then I get into Circus Oz and I do a full rehearsal with them, um, which is absolutely exhausting because during a rehearsal you've got six children asking you questions. <laughs> Where do I stand? What do I do? Where are I? So I'm like absolutely exhausted on that front and then I catch about a six o'clock train home and spend another hour emailing to make sure Edinburgh and the tour's okay and then I get home and have dinner and spend about an hour with my other son, who's four, and we play games and we tickle each other on the couch. <laughs> and then he goes to bed at eight, and then I have maybe two hours with my partner, passed out watching some sort of crappy television. Oh, wow. And cuddling and going, we can wow. make it through. <laughs> so you're talking like a minimum 12-hour day, right? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a high-intensity work period for mm. me. It's just the end of the work, the festival season, um, it's not usually that intense, yeah. but you know, I've 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 been very very lucky at the moment with you know the success of Children Are Stinky and having the opportunity with Oz. So my beautiful partner's just sort of stopped what he's doing for a little bit, and he's yeah. just on board to support me and to get that going because I I think maybe in six months' time people won't want to see the kind of work I make. So <laughs> you know, I got to jump while the iron's hot, and you yeah, know, yeah. like really make the most of this. So. You know, on, on, on a face value, it looks like I'm doing fine and I have endless energy, but it's not that I have endless energy. I just know that this isn't forever. So yes. I, need, I need to make the most of it right now. Yes. So how many years do you reckon you've been doing this for? Um, 753. <laughs> 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 um, I think, uh, well, I've been a full-time performer without any sort of other subsidised work like from, you know, like a cafe job or mm. anything, mm. Um, I think 12 years now. Yeah. Yeah. And and would you say it's always like that? It sort of has its ebbs and flows? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And so on your uh, – in in the times that you're not, you know, peak, what, what sort of things are you doing? Um trying to get more work yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just emailing like all of the emails um I I do have a problem with sitting still that's true so I didn't after I had my first baby that was like a slow period in time and I was just thinking oh my god nobody's gonna want to book me because now I'm a mum which was actually it's sad but true you know mm. women become increasingly invisible in their late 30s mm. yeah <laughs> um so I made a show I just went all right well I want to make a sassy cabaret and show people that you know I've got I'm not just a, a children's performer I um I have other you know feathers in my hat yeah. so I made a full show which was which was heaps of fun you know we didn't make any money out of it but I 
I, I showed the world that I, I do do I do cabaret and I do all these other things and I'm I'm cheeky and you know I have I did an act where I just sat on a toilet and got my period and then it ended up being all over me which was you know wonderfully funny and so you know my off times I just think up new silly things that I can do with my life to make me exhausted again. <laughs> and what was the name of that show? That was called Can't Face. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. as in what is it you can't face? Not, yeah, yeah. Um, not the other rude version. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So um, it's kind of consistent with what you were talking about before as far as I asked what drew you to this work and you felt that really the work drew you in, I guess, yeah. called you. Yeah. And so – even in your quiet times, do, do you think that's when most inspiration hits? Um, yeah, things bubble up. Sometimes you get – well, sometimes I'll get an idea and then it won't come out for another maybe 12 months or maybe mm. three months, you know, mm. like the, the urgency of work and the urgency of needing to tell a story, you know, it – it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Like mm. I don't know when the right time is and I mm. think it's sort of a little bit instinctual now of, you know, you might, you might have an idea for an act but mm. you just know it's not the right time or, you know, you, I'm not the right age for that act or I'm not in the right headspace. So mm. I've, got, I've got a lot of little secrets mm. in, my, in my brain and a lot of little things that I'm very excited about making um, which I, I keep very hidden from the world. Yeah. And I keep them bubbling away. And then, you know, when I feel the time's right, you know, it, mm. it, it feels like, where did this come from? It's like, no, 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 I keep journals. And mm. this has always been, you know, my inspiration. And it's it's been bubbling under the surface for, yeah. you know, like Can't Face was bu bubbling under the surface for, I think, like 12 months before it actually came into fruition. You know, mm. the whole idea of, um, a period is is taboo and really gross and you know all of these things you know in in the media and we you know we don't even show red on ads mm. you know it's mm. like so I just wanted to make an act where yeah sometimes you are out at the club and you get a red spot on your dress mm. and it sucks but like we deal with that yeah it happens to women every single woman maybe you know four times a year yeah and it's like yeah so it's it's funny like, yeah yeah Let's just have a giggle about it and then yeah. it becomes more of a public chat, you know, and that's – I wasn't ready to have to have that conversation in public, yeah. you know, before before babies. But then after I'm like, oh, well, I've got no shame now. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and um, what do you think about sort of the role of art in maybe sort of dropping people's defences a little bit, opening up those conversations – is is that part of the reason that you make art? Well, it's it's a bit of a double-edged sword. I think you you need to make art to have those conversations, but art also really needs to be entertaining, I mm. think. And there's that conflict of are you an entertainer or mm. are you an artist? Mm. And sometimes they're very separate and sometimes they're really together. And I think what I do is is a together sort of meld of that. Yeah. And I'm definitely not as arty as some other people think that I should be, you know, or, or something. Yeah. But, um, you know, I just think you need to joke about stuff and the yeah. more you joke about these serious issues and, and have, have a giggle or, you know, it, it, it 
when it's done with comedy and, and done with joy, it's a lot more accessible. Yeah. There's a um, there's a beautiful show called Chasing Smoke, which is uh-huh. a bunch of I think it's six young Indigenous kids yeah. doing circus, and um, it's it's all about you know racism and and being Indigenous and stuff, but it's done with such physicality and such incredibly beautiful humour that mm. it, it really opens up the conversation and they're having enormous success because when you when you watch an act about um, such potent and, and stressful and, you know, emotionally charged work, mm. but you can attach, you know, a trapeze to it. So you can, if you're not ready to deal with that emotion, you can go, oh, you know, their skill level is really great. Yeah. And I'll, I'll deal with that. You know that that emotion silently, and yeah, a yeah, little yeah. bit later. Whereas, you know, sometimes when it's just the art, you have to deal with it right mm. then and there, and it's, it's more confronting. Yeah, and it's a bit too much mm. for some people to watch. Yeah. So, are, are there are there gigs that you do where you feel it is just purely entertainment? Absolutely. Yeah, it's where I make all my money. Yeah, <laughs> the corporate world. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but there's, there's, you know, there's a place for it, and I really love being just entertaining. Yeah, just razzle dazzle fingers, you know, like yeah. it's, it's still a really honourable place to be, and yeah. I, I really like those gigs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, by contrast to Can't Face, which is obviously you're bringing a lot of yourself to that. Mm. Um, how much of yourself do you feel like you're exposing in, in, in just an entertaining kind of gig? Not, it's not nearly as terrifying. Yeah. It's not nearly as exhausting or, um, and I mean exhausting in a mental capacity, mm. not in a physical capacity. Mm. Um, I get such a buzz out of doing a corporate gig where I'm like a full entertainer mm. and you, you know, it almost takes me three hours to go to sleep if my gig's at 1am, you know, yeah. like. Because there's just so much adrenaline and so yeah. much fun and excitement with yeah. all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Whereas when I find I do a show like Can't Face or, you know, even just if I do one act out of it, you know, I'm, I need to just go and sit on my own and have a cup of tea and, mm. you know, like process the process what's just happened on stage. Because mm. it does, it is funny and it always looks like I'm being, well, I am a bit of a clown and always looks like I'm having a bit of fun, but they're, they're really, they're really charged mentally for me. Yeah. I have to break down every little bit and the way people looked at me and at the audience and, you know, I get, I do get upset about it or I do, you know, question why I'm doing things a lot yeah. when I do those sorts of works, which is way harder. And in the moment that you're performing, you have those questions? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And and I always, I think it's I think it's important when you when you do art, is to do the gigs that make you feel really good, like the, um, you know the the entertainment ones where mm. you get like the big claps and mm. the hurrahs and everything. But if you just do them, you're not learning anything. So I always make sure that I do, a, a at least a spot like a cabaret spot or something that really frightens me. Mm. Um, which is where the period act came from because I, I'm like I'm confined by a seat yeah, um, and I have to sit down and I have to be really still because mm. that's where the minimalist comes in and because yeah. I'm such a like a and I yeah. like to like scream and dance and jump around and be really energetic. So that was my challenge for that year Yeah, and it terrified me. Like I'm actually like sweating and <laughs> thinking of it, just, just doing something that I'm not comfortable with every year. Yeah. So this year I am um, – 
I just wore an apron, which was sort of the semi-nude Yeah. which yeah. I've never like been nude on stage before. Yeah, yeah. So I wore an apron, so it covered a little bit, but it yeah. was, yeah, it was, it was really terrifying. I did yeah. some fire eating and did a funny thing with a sausage roll. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was my, it was my terrifying step this year to, yeah, yeah challenge myself <laughs> and um how does it feel to do that in front of an audience so you're already sort of you know you've got a personal challenge but it's also yeah. witnessed yeah yeah <laughs> um I'm not I'm not sure I think when you do acts like that that's for yourself and for your self-development um you know you, you, the audience is always there and you're always thinking of them but mm. Um, it's a bit more symbiotic, like you kind of, it's not just about the audience mm. when you do like a, a big number, like mm. when are we going to find the clap points? It's a bit more of, I need to work out what I'm enjoying about this yeah. and what I need from this and what you need from that. So mm. I don't think about the audience as much as what I do when I'm doing a, like a big hula hoop number or something. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. sounds really self involved but I think that's what art is a little bit well yeah it's it's definitely personal expression yeah Yeah. but I mean with the with the period act I had a like a young 22 year old boy come up to me after one of them and go oh so that's really common is it Mm. wow it must be really difficult and I'm Mm. like yeah it fucking is like yeah. yeah yeah so it was it was nice to know that this young boy felt comfortable enough having a chat with me about it yeah so once once that art is out and thought about and in a comfortable place where you can roll out that act, mm. then it does become about the audience and about what they yeah. need and what they're getting from it, whether mm. it's, you know, laughing about, you know, period humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and do you worry at all about sort of misinterpretation, um, the fact that the audience is going to interpret it however yeah. they will? Well, I'm, you know, there's definitely heaps of people out there that don't like what I do and, you know, they, they tell me so, <laughs> you know, it's like, but whatever. You know, you, when you when you get older and, you know, I think that's one of the blessings of having kids, you just don't care. Yeah. You're like, well, go see something else. You yeah. know, when I was younger, that stuff really upset me, but now I'm just like, oh, well. Yeah. Like, there, were, there were 90% of the audience really liked it. Yeah. So it doesn't, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't bother me so much anymore. Yeah, yeah. What about um, collaborations? So you said that there were uh, – how many other people were in Can't Face? Uh, there were four people in Can't Face mm. whom each and every one of them I love and they're all very different. Mm. Um, and I'm collaborating with my blondes from Children of Stinky as yeah. well. Collaborations are a super difficult thing in the world of circus because mm. people's abilities change and your abilities change. Mm. And I mean – the last time I did that show, Can't Face, was I was actually three months pregnant and I had to tell my partner who was throwing me in the air and having to catch me. Oh, wow. Um, and he knew that I, you know, I had to tell him. So the poor guy was, not only was I getting heavier, you know, he mm. he had that added responsibility of if he did catch me wrong, you know, you know, they're, they're, but there would never be any repercussions because we're yeah. never doing anything dangerous. But yeah. that's something that plays on your mind. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, you've got to really trust and mm. love the people that you work with. Yeah. Like the, you know, they're all family. I yeah. just, I love all, each and every one of them. I send the messages probably at nauseam. Sent thinking of you. Here's a cat mm. picture. You know, <laughs> beautiful. Um, and given, you know, that you're each bringing something so personal, um, what sort of, are there tensions? Yes. Yes. Many tears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you, how do you sort of manage that? Mm. I think everybody manages it differently. I mm. tend to put on a, um, a very positive face and mm. make sure everybody knows that I'm doing really well and I'm really happy, even though I might be um, upset on the inside. Mm. I find that if I go for a walk or if I ride my bike, I'll, I'll get to have a cry then and just mm. let it all out. Um, but, you know, I think that's the role of a producer as well. If you make sure your crew is fine and the show's better, and I think that's all that matters at the end of the day. Mm. Is, managing everybody else's emotions before you manage your own Mm, yeah which is pretty shitty but you know it's it's a role I really love and I think as a mother you sort of you become used to putting yourself last Mm. but there's also a a huge amount of joy seeing everybody that you love shining as well so it's actually you know if you if you put a little bit of yourself in everybody then you're shining a little bit too, yeah. even though you're putting yourself last. And yeah, it, yeah, yeah. You just got to you just got to be careful, I guess, that you just don't go too deep. And do you feel like you ever do? Yeah, yeah, all mm. the time. <laughs> and how do you how do you sort of what are the warning signs? Ah, oh, I don't have any warning signs. My partner can like. My partner can spot them. I don't know what my warning signs are until I'm like literally in a fetal position on the couch going, why did I do this to myself? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's it's my partner that usually pulls me out of the the ridiculously tired hole that I dig for myself. Mm. Um, I'm getting better at it, I'd like to think. Yeah. But he's he's definitely the one that, you know, he's my absolute support network and my mum as well. My yeah. mum and dad are really amazing on that front. Yeah. But you know, in the art of, in the industry of art, you've just you've you've got to go that deep. You've got yeah. to be that. You know, you have to be completely not. I don't know how to say it. You 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 have to put yourself last. There's no self-serving in art. Yeah, yeah. Well, and maybe in the way I do it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Off air, you were saying that you feel like you're becoming more discerning about what sort of work you'll take. Yeah. 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 I am. Um, I think the older you get, the more particular you become with what work you choose because you have these other values like children and mm. partners you need to put first. So mm. um, I'll be m- way more particular about the gigs I choose and so when I go out to do them, there's there's a, there's a lot more focus on them and a lot mm. more perfection. So, you know, I live, I live in Woodend. I can't just come and chuck out a cabaret. Mm. You know, like if I'm going to come in for a cabaret, it doesn't even matter if it's like 50 bucks or, you know, 500 bucks. Like yeah. I have to come in and I have to want to do it because that's time away from my family and that's time spent on babysitters. So it's it's got to be for exposure. It's got to be for my mental stability. It's got to be for like a really big reason. Mm. And it has to be really good. Mm. <laughs> What do you value in life? You've mentioned children oh, and family. Yeah. 
Um, oh, God. Try valuing children. It's such a hard one. Because I feel when you say what do you value in life, children and families is just so obvious, you know, yeah. like you feel like yeah. you need to be a bit more creative with your, with your answer. But, you know, like once you, once you have kids and you f- you're able to have a conversation with your son about, you know, what he, what he thinks the stars are about, you know, like all the art you do or any important gig you've done just actually doesn't matter anymore, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I'd like to say that my art is first and foremost, but it's, your heart just falls into your family just so quickly. Mm. It's just so rewarding. Mm. That aspect of my life, it's just becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so your values change through your life as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and like, don't get me wrong, I love making shows and I love, and I love the industry and the community that we're in and my, and the people I collaborate with. I, mm. I love them and I do anything for them and to make, um, and to make young people feel more confident about making art, you mm. know, I go out of my way mm. to, to contact people and, and make them feel comfortable or, or offer my knowledge of, you know, of doing heaps of festivals. And mm. I find that, that sort of stuff, pulling the community and pulling friendships in and make, making people feel supported is another value. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's all people. Yeah. 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 Um, so before you were talking about, um, you know, not feeling as concerned when people criticise your work or don't enjoy it, what about um, have you ever felt that, you know, you've come off stage and you just felt like you really messed up or that was just <laughs> terrible? <laughs> have you had that sort of experience? All the All time. the time. All the time. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you just – and nobody ever sees that. Like you speak to an audience member afterwards and they're like, that was amazing. Yeah. And it's just, it's exactly the same, I think. You, ha- you just – you can't be shiny all the time. No. Like sometimes you just have to turn up and do your job. Yeah. And you have to trust that um, you do all of the gigs so you know how to fake it when you're not feeling it in your mm. heart, you know. You have mm. to pull that information or that – that acting ability, I guess, to to shine on stage like you're really loving it. Mm. And one of the secrets I use actually is I tell my people in sort of creative development classes, I always think that I have like a fart, <laughs> like a little secret <laughs> fart yeah. that like at any time I could just fart on an audience member <laughs> and, or like or on my partner. And it just brings this like fake joy that, you know, yeah, just yeah, yeah. like cupcake someone in the audience would Silliness. just be the funniest thing yeah. in the world. And it brings a kind of joy. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so um, a fake joy. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So do you ever... I mean, it sort of sounds like you respond pretty, um, you know, you have strategies. If you've not done so well, do you ever struggle to kind of get out of a funk or? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, um, you, as, as a, I'm dealing with this a lot actually at the moment to yeah. get out of the funk and to feel worthy and to feel wanted on stage actually. Yeah. You're, um, 
especially having a small child and getting your body back. You don't mm. feel as good looking. Mm. You don't feel the different size. You don't feel right. Mm. You um, you have an actual chemical imbalance as mm. well. So, you know, I, I have to tell myself mantras before I go on stage. Yeah. I have to tell myself mantras before I walk in a room and direct people because I think there's a there's an uncertainty and a um, a self-doubt, mm. I think, that I'm I'm definitely feeling mm. having have a post post pregnancy and, mm. and with a newborn baby, and I think the lack of sleep as well. You know, yeah. like you have you have no armor, and I think you need to um, always work with people that you feel comfortable enough yeah. to like. You know, yeah. walk in the room and have a little cry. Yes, and I've done that maybe three times in yeah. this last job, and I don't think it's unprofessional. I don't no. think that we need to go into a job feeling like you know how men you know it's 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 very masculine that like work is work and mm. it's professional and you know you have mm. to you have to be a certain person i think um women are good at their jobs because they put their whole heart into it and yeah. if my heart is a little bit sad that day from yeah. lack of seeing my kids or lack of sleep mm. um, it's okay to have a little cry and tell everyone hey i'm just feeling a little bit vulnerable yes it's totally fine yeah whether it's you know, I'm I'm not breastfeeding as much anymore and I'm feeling a bit weird about yeah. it, you know, like all yeah. those little things, just that honesty and and that um admitting that you're not what you feel like you are. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of puts you in a place where you are what you are or yes. something or you feel better about it. So yes. you know, you just just I just walk around with my heart on my sleeve these days. And yeah. I kind of have to have to trust that everything's okay because I'm actually not feeling worthy and not feeling um, most of the time, actually. Mm. <laughs> you know? I feel like it's such a gift yeah. to, to share that with people though. <laughs> yeah. I do, I do. Yeah. Um, because I feel like, you know, a lot of people feel that way. Mm. So hearing that from other people is such a gift. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if it is, you know, your producer and who's always holding it together and being everyone's mother and, mm. yeah. yeah. And and social media, you know, is pretty terrible at that because you look at yeah. everybody just putting their best selves yeah. forward. Yeah. Um, I'm being – I'm trying really hard to be more honest about um, how I'm feeling and about mm. how um, – I see my sleep deprivation's coming through now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how how disarmed I am yeah. a lot of the time, and 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 the amount of personal messages that I get from mostly other women saying I, I feel the same too, yeah. you know, is is encouraging and, and yeah. helps me want to do it more. And because yeah. I don't feel like a like a fancy producer that's got an international, you know, show that you know I've got. I have four people that I pay all yeah. the time, every, well, like throughout the year, and it doesn't. That doesn't seem real. What seems real is like, oh, I just put on a cabaret down at the Adelaide Fringe, and yeah. you know, some people came. Like that's what I feel like. I don't, I don't, I don't ever feel important or successful, and I think that's probably why I become more successful because there's always something yeah. bigger and better, and I, I never feel like I've made it. Yes. <laughs> or yeah. unworthy or important enough. Yeah. 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 It kind of strikes me that you're, um, you're kind of cultivating honesty both on and off stage in a way, like, you know, yeah. with, with things like can't face. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. One thing I haven't spoken to you about and I'm curious about, um, 
How would you describe your upbringing, your childhood? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got um, my my parents are absolutely divine. My mum and dad are just you know, ridiculously, overbearingly, wonderfully supportive yeah. of, of everything I do. You know, my mum will rally six people to come to a show if it's a Wednesday night and sales are low and she'll yeah. laugh at all the same jokes that she's yeah. heard a hundred times. Um, my dad and I have these wonderful chats about music and art and all of these things. Mm. And I've always felt really loved and supported mm. growing up. Um, I'm, I consider myself very, very lucky, actually. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I loved my upbringing. My dad's yeah. a musician and my mum's a visual artist, so our house was always filled with creativity and, mm. and encouragement in mm. that. Yeah. You know, I had yeah. two older brothers as well, so I had to I had to be pretty tough in order to, to be seen and heard and, you know, I think that's quite apparent of my job choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're, I know one of your brothers is... Sculptor, is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other guy, the other brother is Kimbo. He's a rigger, so you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all had, you know, Tarana as I was growing up. So yeah, yeah. We've got the full, full Aussie spectrum of, you know, art on one side and a rigger with a, yeah, with a hotted up car on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, all right. I think the last thing I want to talk to you about, and you've sort of spoken about this already but if you were to characterize all of your work or, or if you want to divide the art versus the entertainment maybe <laughs> um what if anything are you hoping to communicate to others through your work ah i just i think at the end of the day what i want to communicate is just enjoy yourself like yeah. just have a giggle because yeah. life's pretty short um I don't think children as stinky would have been as successful as it is if it was just entertaining um, yeah and on the surface it does look like a show about farts and all of that <laughs> but um at the core of it it's about kids being proud of themselves and standing up for what they believe in, you yeah. know, the amount of ferocity in, in the children coming in being like, we're not stinky, you're stinky. And yeah. it gives them a voice and kids walk out of that show with their chest like, you know, pumped up full of confidence and pride in, in what's gone on in the show, you know, whereas we pretty much just tease kids throughout the entire hour and yeah. they prove us wrong about all sorts of things yeah. and, they, and, and they end up winning, which is which is really wonderful. So, yes, it is like just giggle and laugh about farts, but, you know, there's there's that underlying message about feel good about yourself. Yeah. And um, that's, an, that's, a, that's a trait that we all had at Underbelly, you know. You just want to you, you share the love and you want to share yeah. yourself with everybody. And if you're honest and if you're honest about yourself and what you love, it comes out on stage as well. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, I'm a bit silly authentic. and a bit too generous <laughs> with my energy, maybe. What good things to be, though. Yeah, no, but, you know, you feel so lucky, like, to be able to share, just to be able to share yourself on stage that, that openly and, and honestly mm. and, and people want to see it. It's just still floors me. It's just still astounds me that people turn up. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, like, yeah. it's, it's just so wonderful. Yeah. Tough job. 
Well, I know that you're going to head off to rehearsal soon. Yeah. So thank you so much for this little conversation. Oh, thanks for having me. It was really lovely. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Malia. Thanks, Trisna. It was a pleasure to have Malia on as my first guest. As you can gather, we are old friends and colleagues. Like hip-hop artist Lizzo, she subscribes to the mantra, if I'm shining, everybody's going to shine, and her energy is certainly infectious. This is not without its costs, however, particularly while she balances parenthood with the long hours and financial insecurity that comes with her work, not to mention societal pressures faced by women. However, Malia seems to owe her resilience to accepting and being honest about her vulnerabilities, as well as the support of both her circus and biological families. In the next episode of Phenomenal, I speak to Ender Bashkan, a Melbourne-based writer who writes about his travels and discovery of his Turkish roots as a first-generation Australian. Here's a little preview of us discussing the place of arts and culture in the world. I watched this documentary recently about the visit of a Turkish folk musician to Australia in, I think, mm. 1981 or something like that. And um, he plays a show and then he takes everyone out to a big Turkish restaurant mm. and they all sit around this huge table mm. and they um, and he's giving some kind of sermon about the importance of music and mm -hmm. culture. And he's like, we have sung in the worst of times as well as in the best of times, like singing and dancing has kept us alive mm. and increased our will to live, mm. you know. So, which was a great counterpoint to um, being right here, right now in the world, which is viewing the arts and culture as luxuries or things which are done when everything else is in order. I mm -hmm. see it as the opposite. Like the first thing that I have to do is sing or write or dance or whatever mm -hmm. and then everything flows mm -hmm. and comes from that. Yeah. Yeah.